I'm Amy, sex educator, somatic sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Whoopsh. Yeah, ooh. That was good. That was my whip. Why did you do that, Chip? Tell our listeners. Because Shameless Sex ah, is talking about kink and how to find your kink. Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. I love this episode, recording this episode, because obviously we already recorded it. I learned, though, a lot of things. Me too. About, not only about like what kink is, which isn't that exciting, but there's a lot of, I think, misinterpretations surrounding kink. And like people being like, I don't want to be kinky or I'm super kinky. And it's actually, I think, in super dynamic. There's so, it's in all of us on some level and there's so many different variations and this episode's really cool. Yeah, and and there's something, I think there's something here for everyone. He doesn't define kink as like, you know, all or nothing. It's it's like you get to decide if you're kinky or not and if you don't want to identify that, that's fine. But he has so much useful information. Usually when we record with guests, it's between like, around like 40, 45 minutes. We record for over an hour because there's so much useful information and he's fucking hilarious too. Well, that was part of it. At the beginning, we kind of shot the shit with him for a little while and I was like, you are entertaining and I really dig you. I did your style. So stay tuned because this is a really uh, awesome, informative, fun, playful, entertaining podcast as they usually are. Uh, before we have a sex question that I'm going to read. Before we read the sex question, I would like to talk about Uber Lube. Ooh. Tell Uber me about Lube. Uber Lube. Uber Lube. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you go to Burning Man and wear like an Uber Lube cape once or something? Or is that just a, I have a wish. dream? I wish. That's a brilliant idea. Did you like idea. think about doing that? Did you talk about that at some point? I'm totally doing that next okay. year. Okay. So because I just had this vision of you. Maybe you told me so that. So what I did was I went to Uber Lube. I brought a whole, not Uber Lube, Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Burning Man. I brought a whole bunch of Uber Lube That's vials. how she got the job, everyone, at Uber Lube. She showed up with a, with a, a custom-made Uber Lube cape and to their else. office in yeah. Chicago. I was, I was like, like, hey. You hire me. <laughs> I no, I brought a whole bunch of vials and I put like glitter on top of them, which the owner of Uber was like, "Why'd you do that?" Oh yeah, but, he's not stoked on that. Yeah, I, I, but it was Burning Man. I had a little glitter with like a little bindi on top, these little vials, and I handed them out to people. They're stoked. It's dry as fuck out there. Which P.S. If any, if anyone's new to the podcast, we actually recorded with him. The oh yeah, Uber Lube founder Stephen. Uh, is which, it called like the Lube chemist and the professional he, wanker? Yes. <laughs> so my my technical boss Adam, he hates when I call him my boss, and Amy's. Co- colleague, owner of Uberlube, the founders of both of the companies that we work with mm-hmm. uh, or were on a show. So you should definitely check it out. I'm not going to show you. If you'd like, you you like it a lot. You will check it out now. You will do this. I was trying to get kinky. Oh, sorry. And, and I interrupted you and I'm, that's so rude. <laughs> I can't believe how rude I am. I love you. Um, okay. So yeah, I did bring the Burning Man. I handed them out to people because it's dry. And I mean, 
it's God. There's so many uses for Uber, mostly for sex, but I even use it on my squeaky bike at Burning Man. And uh, <laughs> so, yes, maybe that's what you're thinking. Dude, about. I use it on. No joke. I just realized I use it on. I just moved into the new house. My sliding door was like, and I totally used Uber Lube on it. It's handy. It's, it works. It's like perfect now. It makes no noises. I felt super. I mean, kind of a badass. Like, I'm a problem solver. I'm I using my Uber lube. lube. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And again, mostly used for sex. So <laughs> Uber Lube is a high-grade silicone lubricant, meaning it never gets sticky. It's long-lasting. It has no flavor. It has no scent. It's super body-friendly. We have over 300 doctors on board that are recommending it. You know what I've done with it? And um, this is just for, for years now because I've loved it because you've been working with them for a long time so I, I've had my own personal access lube. but <laughs> I use it because I tend to and I'm not going to blame all the, the wine that I drink but I get sometimes <laughs> a dry mouth and if I'm trying to do a, like the act of fellatio fellatio uh, <laughs> uh, the dry mouth is not super amazing for fellatio yeah. so i'll squirt i've squirted so many times uber lube just, just like a, a couple drunk, of yeah. pumps into my mouth that's a lot of lube a couple of pumps a little bit goes a long way i have way. a small mouth too so yeah it was probably i hope much. that you're going at least one pump <laughs> no i've definitely done a couple pumps i'll swallow it a little bit like it doesn't have any flavor and, and yeah. it works and your mouth will actually stay more lubricated yeah. with that so and then you put your mouth on helpful the trick there. and they're like whoa oh yeah it's a game changer yeah yeah, it's awesome. So, so it's they good. realize how mo- small my mouth is, and then like, damn it, <laughs> scrapage. I'm like, yeah, I'm bad at deep throating. Okay, just now you know. JTT, just stick to the tip too. <laughs> Plus, you got that TMJ lockjaw thing going on, don't you? God, I'm just that. I'm like all of the perfect things wrapped into one for like a partner, right? Lockjaw, <laughs> dry mouth. <laughs> you even have uh, one of those razor pussies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be if I ever get say if I'm single, that's gonna be on my my uh, Tinder profile. <laughs> Lockjaw, dry mouth, and razor, razor pussy. pussy. But I have a plethora of Uber Lube, yeah. a limited supply, <laughs> so no problem, everyone. Which because it's long lasting, and I don't know if we just sold everyone on it. We're actually not trying to joke, but we are. Honestly, I will tell you, we're we. This is our favorite lube ever. It. We've been fans of the with Uber Lube of Uber Lube for years, and it works for all folks, all genders, all bodies. Everyone. Amy loves actually it. is on TV regularly. Evine talking about Uber Lube. Yeah. If you've never seen Evine, it's like QVC e- late night yeah. QVC, Evine. but it's not QVC. They're Evine. They're Evine. Evine after dark. And a lot of times, when people use Uber Lube. They say, "I didn't know Lube could be this good. Like it's that good." You're like, "What? This is lubricant. It's fucking amazing." And I have to tell you, knowing you over the years. So I've known you for so long now. I don't know, since 2006 or something, which is... I don't even know the year, but I'll say since I do I was because I moved to Santa Cruz then. Oh, shit, 2006. 2006. Oh. You were a fresh little spring 20-year-old chicken. Anyway, <laughs> wh- but you were so particular, and you've always been really particular about the products that you recommend, and lube was like one thing that you were always like... Oh, eh, yeah. No. It's a mucus membrane. Very particular about... Your so genitals. When you started working with Uber Lube a few years ago, now I don't even know how long, I was like, okay, this stuff is good. Like, like as soon as I use it, I was like, this makes a lot of sense. It's so silky and smooth. Can I do a shout out to the store that we went in today oh, here in yeah. Salt Lake City? We went into a store to deliver some Uber Lube because that's what, what we we're doing here is I'm teaching and training on Uber Lube. I was on my computer shops. in the car. And I walked in the nauseous. store and I give a bottle to this this uh, this woman that was working in the store. It's like, oh, I work for Uber Lube. She's like, oh, they talk about Uber Lube all the time in my favorite podcast. I was like, uh, or the, a podcast I listened to or something. I was like, which podcast? She's like, shameless sex. I was like, eh. 
there's me. And, and April's in the car. I'll tell her to come I and know. say I know. She hi. was gone for like she five awesome. minutes. And she's like, I'm going to be right back. I just need to drop this off. And then she actually, you need to go inside. I was like, why? I'm busy. I'm like, go, trying gotta to go, close you the You got to meet her. Yeah. Yeah. She's and super then sweet. she's like, no, it was a super sweet. So we. Shout out to you. And when I came in, she's like, it's like Christmas. <laughs> this cute. is the best day ever. I was like, you are so sweet. She, you know, she found out about us when we were in X-Biz. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, how sweet. I know. That's awesome. All right. We're closing on the Uber Lube, everyone. If you are excited to try a bottle, because um, I think you are, maybe, go to uberlube.com and with coupon code SHAMELESS, SEX in all caps, you get 10% off and free shipping. Uh, So go check it out. Try a bottle. You'll probably fall in love like I have in pretty much everyone I know. Uh, And if you are looking to buy uh, sex toys as well, and then maybe you want to throw in a bottle of lube, you can go to purepleasureshop.com, use coupon code SHAMELESS, SEX in all caps. get 15% off. You don't get the free shipping, but that's if you're going to buy sex toys as well. Otherwise, go to Uberlube, get a bottle, get that free shipping and fall in love just like us. I'm stoked that we streamline our coupon code situation. Finally, we're like, I was messing that up. I was like, you know what? I don't know. Like you messed up our website at the end of this episode. Yeah, but we're going to edit that, right? Nope. Damn it. it. Come on, Amy. Amy does all the editing. She's like, no, I don't want to. We're keeping it. Yeah. No, no I think I also talked about some, we, uh, you know, obviously this podcast isn't about us ever. I mean, we do bring in a lot of personal, vulnerable yeah. personal stories. And I did share something on this podcast that I've never shared with anyone. So um, that Ooh, I actually hadn't juicy. tapped into until we were talking about it. And it's just a blurb. So, so just stay tuned. You mean we're going to Cirque du Soleil together? Don't give away all the spoilers. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, you can tune out now. (laughs) You guys want a sex question? Okay. Here's the sex question. I'm 42, my wife is 41, and we've been married for 13 years with two kiddos, nine and seven. Over the years, I've experienced impotence with her in our intimacy. She'll be ready to go and I can't get it up. I've explored health and my pipes and body are fully functional. T levels are normal. All Tia is testosterone, everyone. I'll take supplements like horny goat weed, ginseng, even a small dose of Viagra, like one fourth or a nibble of a pill, which does work. Last night we had a sexual experience and I remain flaccid. My mind is ready. I feel the energy rise and then dissipate before I get erect. I used to shame hard. Now I'm curious. When I'm ready mentally, my cock sometimes is not. I am turned on by my wife. She really is beautiful and we're both healthy, strong, and active. How am I increase my control over my cock and deliver in the way I want to deliver for myself and my queen? I just love the ending. My queen. Word. Well, you know. First of all, we love you. Yeah. This this. Human is awesome. Which, okay, penis owning human. Yes. Um, way to deliver and honor your partner, queen. Yeah. yeah, like it. Shout like out it to you. So they're saying testosterone levels are normal. Um, sometimes when their mind is on board, the cock is not. Viagra works. Uh, I would love yeah. to suggest hot octopus, not because I I uh, think that it will cure everything, because there might be some things, and I know and you'll have a great. There's nothing to cure here. No, yeah. but and there is obviously we're humans. Emotions rise and fall, and day to day is and different, change. and your your hormones change, all sorts of things, but. The hot octopus solo or duo, since you have a partner, a vulva-owning partner from this email, uh, the duo is awesome. Check it out. Oscillating uh, Oscillation for years has created involuntary ejaculation in penis-owning individuals. But their issue is not ejaculation, though. It's getting hard. Well, it will help you get, get erect. an erection. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And also, obviously, have an orgasm. Yeah. You can actually use the device, though, the duo, on the cock while it's 
flaccid Mm -hmm. to help you get the erection, remove the device, go into your experience with your partner, whatever kind of sex you are having. And then if you start to get soft, you just go back to the device. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. also the, the, um, I just learned today from a reviewer about the Adam plus cock ring, because it constricts a little bit of blood flow that you can actually use it. Even if your if your cock uh, stays flaccid and you get it on because it kind of helps Mm -hmm. with the blood flow. This is, um, a reviewer, a sex educator from the UK was talking about that. So I learned that because I didn't know that was a possibility. So two options, Amy, I know you'll have more. Well, obviously blood, they can get blood flow. Viagra's working and sometimes they can get hard. Oh, they said Viagra's working. Yeah, Viagra's working. Oh. Viagra, but they're they're like, you know, they're saying Viagra works on, when they take Viagra, it works. They don't, but they don't think they want to take it all the time is what I'm assuming. And that sometimes their cock can get hard when they're playing and sometimes it doesn't. And they feel like their mind is totally ready and on board and then their cock does not, um, Respond. match to where their mind right. is. Um, first of all, I want to normalize this. And this is something that folks of all ages deal with. Maybe, yes, erections change with age. Like the older we get, you know, our 20-year-old boner versus our 30-year-old boner versus our 40-year-old boner are very different from each other. Um, and they continue to do that and uh, over time. So that's, that, is there something about that to be expected? Um, but this person is specifically talking about, like, I feel like I'm all there. My hormones are normal. My mind is on board. And yet my cock still is doing its own thing. What is up with that? Um, so a couple of things. One, my question, my idea, my thought would be what happens when you masturbate? If you, does this happen when you masturbate as well on your own, when you actually self pleasure, does your cock sometimes just go flaccid on its own or is it only with your partner? Um, if it's only with your partner, then I would imagine there's some sort of like mental thing block there, performance anxiety, mm. the story that, Oh, I'm not going to stay hard. I'm not going to stay hard. And mm. then you don't stay hard. That's a good point. Which is usually not usually, but often the case with erectile stuff. It yeah. is often a mental thing of either shaming yourself, psyching yourself out, having someone shame you and really getting in your own way. Um, and if this is happening also in masturbation, you can block yourself there too because you can do the oh. same thing. I'm not going to get hard. I'm not going to get hard. And so, yes, using things like cockering so that when you start to get that blood flow, you put the cockering on when there's a little blood flow there and then it keeps the blood flow there. Well, and then with the Adam Plus, you can put it on when you're totally flaccid. Yeah. So even if it, it takes some time, it will still be right in place yeah. uh, to when you have the erection to even maintain that blood flow. As you were saying, constricting the blood flow for longer, yeah. which is really cool. And so it vibrates get, for your partner. So the whole your whole genital unit will be vibrating and, and your partner can ride on that and, and grind that on it. That might keep you more excited having a vibrator on your Completely. car. Completely. And you're yeah. getting that perineum stimulation because it's a double motor cock ring so yeah. it has like the perineum pressure and push the taint or the gooch in Brooklyn and they it, call it. if it is just a mental thing like a psych out kind of thing then that's really just starting to notice the thoughts that you have when you're starting to go through the process of, I'm not going to do this people do this orgasm all the time I'm not going to come I'm not going to come well guess what you're not going to come um, so start to notice that and then start to just come back to the touch. Don't focus on the stories in your head. Come back to the sensations, you know, hand on my cock, my breath, um, but, you know, pussy on my cock, whatever you're playing with, you know, focusing on those things, the sensations as opposed to the thoughts in your mind. Get out of your head into your, into body. your body. Yeah. But really, really trying. The cock rings can be really helpful for this to keep the blood flow there and keeping the stimulation going and, and make sure that you're not stuck in the thoughts of I'm not going to do this right but and, I and also do, just want to embrace some soft yeah. cockage too. Like it's not yeah. all about playing with the hard cock too. I, I really think that this uh, listener that wrote in and took the time, I think could benefit from 
If you're listening right now, listener, go to Hot Octopus or even Pure Pleasure has the Pulse Duo and you can get the discount uh, 15% off. Shame code Shameless Sex. Shameless Sex, yeah. Go and, and check, but you can check out and do the research first. It's it's kind of an imbe- investment because it's $149. But honestly, I do feel because I've, I've over the years have seen so many people that have um, cock you know, non-responsive cocks to certain situations that don't want to use Viagra anymore and uh, that have benefited from using the duo and their partner does too. So I think that would be a good solution. And what Amy's saying is, is great. I mean, if you're, if you want to wait on toys, then yeah, really focus, do some practices. Yeah. That's a great idea. Really focus on what you're feeling. Yeah. Get into that body. Yeah. All right. So what about, what about though? What? What about talking to all the people about OMGS? OMG, yes. I would love to talk to the old people about OMGS. It's kind of different from Cox, although OMGS is going to do a season on penises and what penises like. Currently, OMGS is an online program that we absolutely love. That is an educational program where you can learn about real pleasure from real humans, meaning that it's not acting. Um, and these are they did a research study with a thousand female body folks asking them about the orgasms. How do you have the it's, orgasms? But it's not boring. It's not at boring. All. It's interactive. But it's real research. Yes. And they asked them, and so they actually filmed these videos, very tasteful, of these people showing you on external. So it's all about external vulva pleasure and how to have orgasms that way. Um, all these different techniques and different types of orgasms. And what did we styles. learn from Emily Nagowski, Come As You Are author? Which vulvas I mean, I are. A lot are what they're like fingerprints oh all of them are different yes. so from you to me our vulvas are different from no. all the listeners out there vulvas are different so mm-hmm. you can see 62 of them 62 videos. videos i don't know if they're all different vulvas but there's different videos but there's a diversity of vulvas there's even modules you can practice the yeah. strokes and this is great if you one have never had an orgasm two you're already having orgasms and you're like i want to have even add more things to the menu i didn't even know i like this other type of touch and i have even more powerful orgasms that way and we also like diversity or what if you like our questionnaire here questionee uh wants to have fun with their vulva owning partner and perhaps sometimes things aren't responding like you want them so to. So you have fingers. You have fingers and, you have and, all and all a mouth techniques. and you have a tongue and you have a head that you can blah, blah, blah. I mean, oh, I'm just, just about fingers thus far but yes. maybe they'll do an or- well, well, no, but you can mimic the fingers true. with your face well with your tongue. I wish you could all see April do her blah, 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 thing just now. That's why I did it for you, Amy. That's hot. We, we needed to bring <laughs> this to video. Um, but we it, will. We need to launch a YouTube channel. We actually launch it. We just need to start filming. It's time. It's time so uh omgs everyone go check it out omgs.com backslash shameless gets you five dollars off it's a one-time fee of 39 bucks so it makes it what 34 dollars you can watch them unlimited time season two is on the way out too which will be internal pleasure g-spot female ejaculation it's this is the best way to learn this is the best way i mean it's great that you're learning from us here but we are visual people so go check that out please thank you we love you and before we do the bio, because it's a short bio for our, um, our, our awesome guest, guest today, who I absolutely adore. I want to hang out with him when we're in L.A. Let's do it. Just like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Let's go to your dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do want to say, you know, if you have the time and you're chilling at home. And you like wine. Grab a bottle of Margin's wine. If you like wine. You, might, you probably don't have any anymore because she's been sold out forever. However, when this podcast airs, I believe it's April 2019 and... Uh, Margins Wine, they will be shipping their next round. She runs out all the time. Megan Bell, shout out to her. She's an amazing female winemaker, yeah. woman owned, woman operated. 
making small batched boutique wines, underrepresented varietals of grapes. Even if you don't like wine, if you don't drink one thing, if you're sober, awesome. I support that. Yep. Drink some water, drink some tea. Ooh, kombucha. But well, that sometimes has alcohol in it. Yeah. If, so if you are just a person that is experiential and you love trying new things, or you're a wino like me, <laughs> possibly Amy is turning into one as well. Damn it. Check out Margin's Wine because I am kind of a wine snob. Amy's mom's a wine snob and she even likes it. And uh, She loves up. it. She loves it. Yeah. I know. Um, she is coming out with in April. New round. It will sell out. There's a bunch of different varietals. You can go on to her website, marginswine.com to sign up for a newsletter because the folks that sign up for her newsletter will receive first access to her next batch. So if you and haven't if you- done so, do it meow. And if you keep listening to us, when her next batch is out, we can give you a coupon code. Yeah, she does. She d- like she doesn't discount her wine Only ever. Us. Only but for shameless sex, sex listeners, out. she will do that for you. All right. So that's about margins wine. All right. You ready for the bio, I everyone? Totally okay, cool. So uh, how do I say Royski? Royski? Royski. Wow, you struggle with I, this It's one. hard when Remember the sticky? Oh, sticky... Mike Rosicki. Rosicki. <laughs> he says he's like it he, rhymes. He with, said this. He said yeah, it's sticky. It's like I'm so sticky. I can't remember. Mike Rosicki <laughs> is super sticky. <laughs> no, he's he's awesome. He's I mean sticky. Anyways, so <laughs> Mike Rosicki right has been active in his local King communities since 2005. In 2018, he and his business partner started Joy Mill, a company dedicated to customized kink gear. You can sign up for their mailing list and try their beta experience at joymill.com. Be sure to sign up for their mailing list, everyone, because they're revamping the website right now and the people that sign up, it's free. Just sign up. That's it. There's no commitment at all. You get first access to discounts, new products, information, etc., etc. So really be sure to sign up. That's the, and go, go get the whole beta experience and check it out. All right, everyone, it's episode time as promised. And this episode, when we took a poll with our listeners, some of y'all are kinky. Some of you don't know you're kinky. Some of you are interested in getting into the kinky realm. Um, So this episode is uh, for, for maybe the newer folks, the curious folks, and maybe even some of the advanced folks too. It's how to find your kink. You know, am I kinky? How do I find my kink? What do I do? What do I use? What are the tools? Et cetera, et cetera. So we are here with, oh my gosh, I'm ready to forget how we say the name. Mike Rosicki. Is that right? Mike Rosicki. Yeah, Mike Rosicki. Love it. Genetically correct. And he said, it's like, I'm not sticky. No way. Quite <laughs> uh, the opposite. It rhymes with so sticky. So Mike Rosicki is so sticky. <laughs> Welcome, Mike. We're really happy to have you on the show. Thanks. Uh, and I'm now glad everybody knows that little yep. uh, way of remembering my name. Yeah, that's every time you see them, they'll be like, uh, so oh, sticky. he's that sticky oh, guy. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, we like it sticky. So mm. uh, let's start with... As if people didn't know, what is kink? What's a kink? What's a fetish? You know, there's all these terms, BDSM, and well, just as if you're speaking to a new person who doesn't even know what you're talking about. What is kink? For sure. Um, a kink in its most basic form is just an interest or an arousal, um, sexual interest or arousal, from something that is considered non-standard. Uh, that's like a kink in a line. It is a bend. It is a deviation from the norm, as it were. Um, now that is a social construct because, you know, normalcy is defined in definition to what is, you know, uh, fungible. 
or excuse me, not fungible, flexible. Um, What's normal yeah. anyways? Yeah. Normal schmormal. Precisely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a kink is something generally that you can point to though. Um, it is a, an object of interest. Uh, like, you know, I have a latex kink, like I like getting into latex skirts or dresses, um, or I've got a body hair kink and I really get turned on, um, when I see like an unshaved armpit, but this can also be applied to kinds of activity. Like I've got a kink for spanking. Like I really like to get spanked or I enjoy pet play, which is acting like a, you know, like a cat or a dog. Um, a furry. I saw a furry convention once. I I will, I will say, um, the sexual side of the furry fandom is a, not all furries are into the sexual part of it. Um, I'm here to defend my furry brethren, um, despite not being one myself. Um, but I've, I've made this mistake before as a younger man and got called out on it. So I'm, I'm giving you this information. Enlighten now. me. No, I need to know this. I don't want to go on. No, lots, lots of people. Um, did you enjoy the shows like, uh, like Disney animated cartoons back in the day of like Chippendales, Rescue Rangers? Oh my God, Dales, I love Chippendales. Gargoyles. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to have sex with any of them? No. I didn't know. You were enjoying furry art, but it wasn't necessarily sexy. Uh, um, a lot of people make exceptions for like Demona or Gadget, but you know, that's, <laughs> they can't help what it. What about a Care Bear though? If I was like really into the Care Bears. Yo, I would recommend that there is probably some really great fan out out there for you. I've, hum- um, I've humped some teddy bears in my life. Okay, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> There's no judgment. We've all humped some things that some people would consider a little kinky. Um, oh, I guess, so it, us back. Is, is, is kink so is kink so because because some okay so some people might be like yeah. spanking's not kinky spanking's normal vanilla whatever you know so kink is we define our kink yes. if we just yes. we're is, like i'm kinky i decide i'm kinky yeah no it is it is an identity thing and again it is um also something that can be kind of described it, it is it is seen through the lens of what is considered normal so as you know, kinky activities, what is previously considered kinky. So like BDSM and fetish stuff um, has become more and more mainstream. That window of what is kinky is actually, the window of what's kinky has narrowed because the window of what is acceptable has broadened. Um, We've seen some great stuff. There's that Broad City episode about pegging, for instance. Like that's mainstream as far as I'm concerned. Pegging everyone Um, is when a a female-bodied individual tops a male-bodied individual with a strap-on harness. Anally. Yeah. No, yeah, I um, should have defined that too. <laughs> um, no, so, and now there is a difference, by the way. I, I used it slightly interchangeably just now um, with the term fetish. Fetish is a, and fetishism is a medically defined term um, a la the, from the DSM, which is like the psychiatric um, book that says, hey, here's a list of all the mental illnesses. Again, we can get into discussions about social constructs of mental illness, but we will skip that for now because we're talking about how to think. Fetishism is a medically defined term um, that is a, uh, you are only able to achieve arousal or climax and you'll probably have some people calling me out for not getting this exactly correct, but it is when you cannot achieve uh, a state of arousal or climax um, without the presence of a non-sexual or non-typically sexual object or activity. Um, so you might have somebody who's really attracted to feet and you might call them a foot fetishist. That is not technically true unless they are, like, cannot achieve arousal or orgasm unless they're getting you know, a foot job or something like that, or if they're deeply sniffing a used sock. All fetishes are kinks. Not all kinks are fetishes. Because it's in the DSM, it is only considered a fetish 
um, a true medically defined fetish if it is interfering with your life. So if you can't control your ability to not stare at somebody in open-toed shoes, um, if you lose the ability to form sentences when you're looking at somebody's bare feet, or if you've just been stealing people's high heels, <laughs> you might have a foot fetish. Mm -hmm. And there can be lots of different kinds of fetishes. Other words that I have used thus far, and we're just going to catch up on this. Um, I think I used the term play at some point. Are, you user, are your uh, listeners familiar with that term? Um, it, anything that you want to define is helpful. Oh, sure. Um, okay, so play. Um, this is a thing that can be thrown to the end of just about anything that you're into that's related to kink or otherwise is just a way of saying, I enjoy kinky activities with this thing. Wax play. That's when you're using hot wax on somebody. I enjoy anal play. I enjoy, uh, you know, pet play was a term that I used earlier. Um, it's just a real shorthand way of saying, as opposed to saying an entire paragraph or sentence, we've just narrowed it down. So when you hear play, it works like that. The other thing you're going to hear possibly is, uh, in your explorations of kink is the term uh, a scene. Um, a scene is different than the scene. The scene is the community of kinky and BDSM loving individuals out there. Um, a scene is a set amount of time in which you are engaging in, engaging in a form of play. A good example of this would be uh, football. You guys have, are familiar with football, correct? Hey, yeah, I know what you're talking American about. American football or are we talking soccer? No, the truly beautiful game of, <laughs> of soccer. Come on. Okay. We're cultured here, of course. Come on. Uh, <laughs> no, um, so my, my example of this would be uh, the World Cup kind of like non-sexual soccer play. That at the beginning, um, a whole bunch of soccer enthusiasts come together and say, hey, do you want to? You want to play some soccer? Or they would say football. And then for the next like 90 minutes or however long they go into overtime and they're sitting there for two hours and you know, you get bored. That is the scene uh, for while they are engaged in that form of play, they're in a scene. And then afterwards they are no longer like playing soccer, but they're still soccer players. Um, so it's the time in which you are engaging in play. Uh, so yeah, that about covers it. The, oh, last one, very last one. I promise. And then we'll get into more questions. Um, kink shaming. This is a term you will hear and don't do it to yourself and don't do it to other people. It's when you hear about any of those things that I've listed above. Maybe you think that foot guy that we were talking about was a little strange. Mm -hmm. Your kink is not their kink. Something that you might be into is something that they might find gross or weird. As long as everybody is practicing this in a, in, in a uh, realm of informed consent and everybody's agreeing to what's happening and is able to give that consent, yeah, it's fine. Don't don't, don't yuck, yuck someone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one. You've heard this. Yeah. You've already got this. And yeah. this is you guys are experts. Well, the, the, and that when people do that to my food I'm eating, where they're like, "Ew, ugh, why would you order that?" I'm like, "Excuse me, don't yuck my yum, yo." Yeah, that's like yeah, literally exactly. just yucking my oh, yum. Well, and there's also there's just no hierarchy of what's better, like or more no. normal or anything. Like, hello, it's we're so dynamic. So yeah, yeah, no, no kink shaming, no, no shaming in general, everyone. Well, I guess if you stopped doing that, we'd have been have a job. But yeah, don't do it. <laughs> so how does someone know when they're kinky? Like, how do they like? How do they are like? Oh, I'm a kinky person. Like, how do they know? That's an acceptance thing. That's just that, like you were saying earlier. That's a degree of self-identification when you say, you know what? I own the fact that there is something that turns me on that I'm not necessarily seeing well represented elsewhere or that is considered, you know, normal, quote unquote, again, normal. I'm doing air quotes on a podcast. <laughs> Listener at home, believe me, I'm using my hands a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you an example of this, um, a sort of like a story that, uh, that I think is a great way of um, illustrating 
the discovery process in a non-traditional fashion. A friend of mine is, was working in a, had worked in kitchens uh, for a long time. Uh, she mostly worked in line cook in like vegan, hippie, lovey, sort of like supportive environments where everybody's on a team together. Great places, great food. But she wanted to expand her horizons in terms of what was available to her and her skills. So she goes in stages, um, which is to do a shift in another... Oh, yeah. Okay. You're nodding. All right, yes. But you <laughs> should tell folks what a stage is. I know. Okay. That. Yeah. <laughs> see, she gets this. Um, it's where you go into a shift in another kitchen just to like, you know, learn the ropes, see what they've got over there and get some more exposure. She stages in a much more traditional kitchen run by a dude with salt and pepper hair sleeves rolled up tattoos in his early to late like early to mid 40s a couple scars on his hands from the you know knife play that he'd been engaging in well literal knife play not like sexy knife play like we were talking about regardless dude's a smoking silver fox by any like measure of the term she uh, gets an assignment he tells her, hey, I need you to go over to the, this prep station over here, uh, and you're going to be, you know, Julianning and prepping a few things. And she says, okay. And he stops her, he looks at her, and very gently, but very sternly says, when you're in my kitchen and I give you an order, you say, yes, chef. Oh, shit. Yo, I mean, even I got a little turned on. I just uh, got goosebumps right now. Yeah, That's exactly. Well, and that was her for the next, like, four hours. She, this was in her early 20s. Um, I met her later in life. But the... <laughs> Like she spent the net, the rest of that shift just flustered. She could not figure out what was throwing her off her game. It took like three days and a couple of bottles of wine of processing to figure out, oh wait, I, I was turned on. Like I was at work and I was deeply aroused and I was not expecting that. So to find your kink, um, to, you know, title of the episode right here. I recommend asking yourself the question at all times, does this turn me on? in places that you would not necessarily expect it. Real life stimuli can kind of catch us by surprise. The look that someone has, a particular power dynamic, a sensation, uh, can all be something that you are interested in, but maybe not necessarily letting yourself explore. So ask yourself that question. Ask yourself I have a Cirque du Soleil kinky mind then, because I love Cirque du Soleil, the, just the bending and the... Wait, does it, you do get turned on? I get turned on. No, oh. for sure. Not not every single thing that I see at every Cirque du Soleil, but there's certain things where I look, oh my God, that's so fucking hot. What? Okay, hold on. So so <laughs> now, no, 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 no. So this is part of the process. We can ex- okay. we might be able to explore this a little bit. What aspect of it does that? Is it the bending? Is it the costumes? Is it the pageantry? Is it the, like, you got to break down all the aspects. The flexibility of specifically, mm. mostly the male bodies. There have been a few female bodies. I'm like, wow, mm. I want to get down on that right now Especially <laughs> <in the front laughs> like all, all of it but I love the tight clothing and then the flexibility and like all of the the, I, the it's it's a show and I've seen quite a few so yeah. there's there's um I'm, I'm trying to think of something specific there was a water one that I was like wow it was La Reve and ooh, ooh, the dream the dream uh, and it was so hot and that whole thing and it was very um I don't know, heteronormative, if you will, because it's a man and a woman <laughs> loving each other and they're going through their whole thing. But I was turned on the whole time. Like I was like literally excited. And I, I don't know. I didn't pinpoint it then. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch Le Rev again <laughs> in Vegas. We're going to Vegas in a couple weeks, Amy. You want to go to Le Rev with me and yeah. do some kink experiments? And I'll be like, oh, I know she's turned on right next to me. How's, <laughs> How's that pussy? You pulsating that pussy now? Is it the tights? Yeah. <laughs> and you know what else? Church. Oh, yeah. 
Yo, that's very common. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, there's a lot, uh, a lot of religious um, uh, fantasies occur because it has a lot to do with, I mean, not because it is hard to ascribe detail or causality to any of this because not a lot of research has been done. Um, but there are, there is a trend of power structures. Uh, there, uh, there's a reason that military power structures, um, uh, cop uh, policing power structures exist, partic- actually policing, particularly in the gay leather community. You get a lot of uniform fetishes, uh, medical stuff as well, but priestly things, it can be a little, quote, you know, sacrilege, which might, you know, squick some but people that's out. Hot. That's what I yeah. think is hot about it. And I don't want to offend any of the listeners that are religious. I've never actually done anything in a, you mm-hmm. know, in a, in a place of worship. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I just, going to church when I was little, I haven't, I'm, I'm not really religious, but going to church when I was little, because I was a really, uh, not to turn this into me, by the way, but I just wanted to tell you because we're telling stories. Just uh, a quick story. I used to like do my Kegel exercises, not knowing what it was when I was like four years old at church, like sitting on my dad's lap. Girl, and what? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, do it. I go home and hump a teddy bear. Yeah, I yeah. would. It's weird. And so, church, yeah, I'll get like really kind of turned on in church. I'm like, not like yeah. the choir boys or anything like no. that. It's like legit just sitting there, kind of like thinking about. Pussy? I don't know. <laughs> no, which is absolutely fine. Like uh, there is, um, again, not a lot of work has been done on this, but some of the work that has been done in terms of researching these things is that kinks, if you really want to drill it back and go, whoa, why am I into that? Those associations get made very early in life. What you are into and how you develop sexually, that trace, a lot of that can trace back to like prepubescent stuff. And I'm sure you've had other people on the show who can describe that in better detail, Yeah. but this is my understanding. So then... If someone discovers, so yeah. we have you, know, April, your friend who discovered in the kitchen that <laughs> really, I mean, that was, that was, I heard that. I was like, oh, that's my, that speaks to me too. And um, how does someone start to explore it? Okay. So you've got a few routes in this regard and it all gets back to some very sexy uh, best practices of library science, um, which the sexiest of professions and sciences, let's be clear. <laughs> You are going to research. You're going to research and research and research and research because you want to find the thing that works for you. And you're going to experiment. Um, and let's, di- let's dive a little bit into what those things. In terms of research, I've already given you some terms up top. You are going to continue finding terms as you search for things that can help refine your search. For instance, um, let's say that you are into, you're a lady who was reading some erotica and you saw a, and you saw a scene where the woman was more dominant than you were used to seeing. And you go, oh, that's interesting. What if I Google dominant women? You might come across the phrase like femdom or domina or dominatrix, things like that. And you go, oh, okay, now I can continue refining my search. However, maybe you like the gentler side of femdoming where you get to call them good boy and they're a little bit more uh, into service than you know, repeatedly uppercutting them in the testicles as they reach orgasm. Mm-hmm. Which, hey, a lot of people are into it. it. Yeah, yeah. Again, CBT doesn't just mean cognitive behavioral therapy. Cock and ball uh, torture, everyone. <laughs> that's the joke. She got it. Thank you. I'll you. I didn't get it, but now I do. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we defined that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> been, been in the world a little too long. I forget that other people don't <laughs> He's get like, it. oh, everyone knows this, right? Yeah, well, that's a common joke, right? Cock and ball torture. That's like a normal thing for people. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah, the newbies. <laughs> right, got you. Thank you. Regardless, you might end up like finding the phrase like gentle femdom, uh, which allows you to exclude all of the, you know, ball kicking. Um, and just get that like, oh, sweet service. Ah, oh, this is my boy. He is mine and he is perfect. 
and it's and it's sweet and that's nice and you you were able then to find more of what you're into which can then serve as inspiration either through erotica through porn through shared stories for other people and disclaimer erotica and particularly porn uh are to sex what the fast and the furious is to driving don't actually try this at home (laughs) that's a good association that's perfect but these things are rooted somewhat in reality. Um, there, like nothing is wholesale fabrication. There's going to be a grain of truth in it. So, you know, dive in and figure out, okay, what is it again that I like about this thing that I'm seeing? Uh, I've found more. Once you've done some research, you might start finding some communities that are not just in the erotica and porn realms. You might find some educational resources through things like Kink Academy and stuff like that. Kink Academy, great website. Check it out. Solid resources. Um, of like, I want to know everything about BDSM. Bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, sadism and masochism. Um, although some people argue that like, it's also sub and master or slave and master. And there's a lot of argument over these four letters. Um, but for the most part, when you think of like 50 shades of gray, BDSM is what's going to pop into your head. And BDSM is a subset of kink. So you found, let's say, some like uh, content inspiration. You are now looking to uh, explore more. Uh, education is the important part here. So you're going to want to talk to other people. There are communities all over the internet for what you're looking for. If you have a kink, odds are there are a bunch of other people that do too. Whatever you're into, there are people who are already more obsessed with it than you are and have figured out a lot of things. I personally, when I discovered I was super into wax play, um, which is, you know, hot wax stuff. I immediately went to various forums that I was already familiar with, looked for like, okay, who are the people that are in wax? Oh, these are the brands that they like. Oh, here's some suggestions of how to structure my play, etc. Um, so the people that you're looking for are already out there. That is uh, one piece of that research. And then the last piece of that research um, is in-person stuff. If you are lucky, you live in a major metropolitan area that has sex positive um, in-person resources. Um, I'm in Los Angeles, so big shout out to Pleasure Chest, which is a local sex positive adult novelty shop um, that has classes, that has programming, that has you know education. Um, great stuff. Highly recommend if you have a shop like that, checking it out. Babeland, good uh, vibes. We have Pure Pleasure in Santa Cruz and we do rope bondage classes and kink 101 classes and things like that. And yeah, and then, but you are yes. saying, there's the internet too for folks who don't live in those areas. Like you said, Kink yes. people can take yes. classes online. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like Kink Academy does that. And then another great resource for events um, is a website called FetLife. FetLife is the Facebook for kinksters. I recommend it hesitantly because it is riddled with security issues because it is a labor of love from a lot of people um, that do the uh, development and whatnot. The moderation is sometimes questionable, but if you are looking for other like-minded folks and events, particularly the events, if you're looking to like go to a munch, which I'll describe in a second, FetLife is where you're going to find your local community. It is Facebook for fetishists, basically. Once you do find those groups of people and there are more out there than you would think, um, you can go to a thing called a munch. A munch is a, a a vanilla gathering of kinky people. Vanilla just means not kinky. It's a slang term that's thrown around. I personally, I personally believe that vanilla is a delicious flavor, and most desserts <laughs> are useless without it. Um, but it's not the only flavor. So yeah, if you, <laughs> glad I got a laugh. Munches. Well, and I like that because a lot of people are like vanilla shaming. They're like, yeah. You know, so I like that you said that. Yeah. No, it's yo, it's delicious. And like anybody who's like all Rocky Road all the time, 
I, that's an unsustainable when you life. you create a dessert and you add the a la mode, which is usually with vanilla, a warm dessert with a la mode vanilla ice cream sets it off. That's like <laughs> I mean, when I know I'm in love. Right. Yeah. There. That's the one. Yeah. How do people find a munch though? A munch. So a munch, you're, again, you're probably going to get it on FetLife. Um, FetLife is the place to go to. You can search by location, find whatever your local major like, you know, thing is, but you can even have them for like smaller towns. Like I lived in Western Massachusetts for a while. There are no particularly big cities in Western Massachusetts, but there was still a very active kink scene. You just, you know, had to drive 45 minutes to get to wherever it was meeting, which is, you know, fine when you live in a place where the roads are empty. Boston had a very active scene. Um, you know, even Rhode Island has an active scene. Um, every this is, this is why we have the interweb. We can find yes, you can find all these people. Look it up through FetLife would be my number one thing. And if you ever have the chance to go to Folsom Street Fair, highly recommend that as well. Um, that is like the uh, the big kink event that attracts hundreds of thousands of people to a small, tiny section of San Francisco, and you will see some things. Uh-huh. Uh, I've never been. I've always wanted to go. Oh, There's always I always have like travel or something happening during that time. Maybe this is my year. Why Why don't you love yourself enough to do this? I think we should go and then I'll put a collar on you with a little leash and you can still walk on your feet. Like you can still do that whole mm-hmm. thing. And then uh, you're the one that likes to be dominated. Not by girls. Damn. Yeah. We should also talk yeah. about safety, right? Because that's yes. huge and consent, of course, but yes. safety, I feel like is so important because that is something that can get scary if you're blindfolded or gagged or mm-hmm. uh, I'm mm-hmm. restrained on, on some level. So yeah, I yeah. would love to explore yeah, that. I think again, getting it to getting into the consent and safety piece, and then we'll do into the fun stuff with, but with partner play. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So Three models of safety that have kind of like proliferated in the BDSM world. One has given way to another. I'm going to go into a bit of a history lesson here. So first, you had safe, sane, consensual, SSC. Safe, sane, and consensual is a way of describing the ideal form of uh, kink back in the late 80s, specifically in the New York gay leather community. It was created... And again, I'm probably going to catch flack for this because it's, you know, one of those esoteric things that people argue about on the internet. SSC was created as a form of respectability politics uh, because of the demonization of the gay, uh, gay BDSM uh, scene in New York City. The reason that they started talking about safe, sane, consensual is to try to combat the, frankly, image problem that they had, that this was a form of abuse and mentally ill and like only crazy people would engage in this. Now, you have to understand at the time, like the, this is back during Reagan. This is back during the, uh, like the best example of anybody having access into this life were like Maplethorpe's pictures, which were rather shocking. So SSC was created both as a way of respect, both as a method of respectability politics, but also as generally a thing that you should do. But we can get into the problematic aspects of that very few parts of kink are actually completely safe. We're dealing with a lot of risk mitigation um, and you're educating yourself so that you can do things safely, but nothing is 100% risk-free. The one thing that has been like consistent throughout and you will see in the rest of this is consensual. Everything has to be consensual. The kink community thrives on consent um, and informed consent. And this is very important and I cannot stress enough if you walk away from this conversation with anything, it's that you need to practice consent. What does informed uh, consent mean to our listeners? Informed consent uh, is explaining all of the things that could occur. It is not just saying, hey, do you want to try this thing? And getting a yes. 
Um, it is explaining, hey, do you want to try this thing? Here are some things that can go wrong. Here are some things that could go right. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a wider understanding of what's happening. Um, so, for instance, if someone asked me if uh, you know I wanted to, uh, to have a sexy evening with them, um, but you know, neglected to uh, talk about their uh, recent testing statuses. Mm-hmm. Um, if I just agreed to it, I would be consenting. Um, but if I hadn't asked, like, well, I have a couple of extra questions just to be sure that we're all being safe and sexy, then I'm practicing informed consent. That would be the difference uh, as a contextual understanding. So if we were, like, you said you're into wax plays. So if it's like, hey, yes. you want to participate in some wax play? And you're like, yes. And you're like, and, you know, what should I, what, what does this entail? Or I should also say, okay, so we're going to use this kind of wax. And this wax, it's kind of hot and not warm. Mm-hmm. This is what you can expect. And these are the parts of your body that I might want to put it on. Is that okay with you? Okay, no, not that part. How about this part? That's all like informed. You're an expert negotiator. Like, um, like yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> so you didn't negotiate well with me with the collar around Folsom Street Fair. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, See, I, importantly, though, you also established your boundaries, which we can talk about later. Yeah, so SSC is safe, safe, and consensual. That gave way to an idea called RAC, which is risk-aware consensual kink. R-A-C-K. The risk-aware part is that informed consent that we were talking about earlier. As opposed to talking about the end result of play, which is it's safe and sane and consensual. Look, everybody's going to be all right at the end. Rack is more about, look, we're going to try some stuff and it might get weird, but we all know what we're signing up for. Like, we've all signed the waiver. Let's, you know, do the thing. Um, Rack focuses on what goes into the process. And that started showing up around like 1999, um, people started uh, on various, you know, early internet back in the olden days. The uh, interwebs, the old <laughs> DARPA. WWW. <laughs> I remember the days when everybody had to say WWW at the beginning before talking about a website. People still it's- do it, Mike, because it drives me crazy. I'm like, you're wasting at least three seconds of my life right now. I was like, WWW. We just wasted 30 seconds of everyone's life talking about it. Sorry, everyone. Okay, moving right along. Uh, the the So that's risk-aware consensual kink. And then we talk about prick, which is... Uh, we're going to talk about prick. Watch out. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> prick is uh, the most recent iteration of kink uh, safety structure. And it is personal responsibility, uh, informed consent, kink. Uh, the personal responsibility bit uh, tries to thread the needle between the, like, talking about what goes into rack and talking about what comes out of SSC and says, look, it's just about personal responsibility. You are responsible both for how you negotiate and how you set up and educating yourself and your partner to be sure that everybody is like informed consenting as to what's going on. But also you are personally responsible for the outcomes, both good and bad. You need to deal with, you know, emotions that may flare up. You need to deal with the fact that there might be a risk of minor bodily injury or major bodily injury, depending on what you're getting up to. That's a, I don't think anybody listening to this, and I would not recommend jumping into the deep end. Um, We can talk about experimentation next um, of actually like talking to your partner or meeting new people. Um, But don't sign up for, you know, cutting and branding if you've never done it before. Um, These are extreme forms of play that are called edge play. And they're the ones that can be, they're at the edge of safety is is my understanding of that definition. Uh, Again, I'm sure people in the comments can argue uh, and will. <laughs> if there's one thing I've noticed, by the way, about the King community is that uh, we really do enjoy uh, 
bickering amongst ourselves uh, about what various things are defined as. I'm right. No, I'm right. No, you're yeah, right. Uh, my kink is the one true kink, <laughs> which makes me think they're wizards. Yeah. I sometimes wish that this podcast was on video because you have the best facial expressions too. When you're doing <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy we have this on video. We, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, cool. Gif it later. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll do. Oh, that'd be a great gift. Um, okay. So before we go into the partner thing, just the boundary piece then, I guess, which could yes. be part of the partner thing. So oh, it is. Talking, talking to my partner about kink saying, hey, I have a kink and I'm a little scared to share this with you. So the, that piece. And then also there's negotiation of boundaries of partners if you want to dive into that piece. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, uh, it's terrifying sharing something with uh, either a, I mean, honestly, to me, it's easier to share it with a stranger saying like, hey, by the way, this is who I am. This is what I'm into. But revealing a new piece of information about yourself, like, Hey, I kind of want you to ask permission before you orgasm. How does that feel? And there are much better ways of phrasing that, obviously. But expressing like, hey, I'm actually kind of turned on by this idea of orgasm control. How do you feel about that? Is a scary thing. Hopefully you can have, you know, hopefully you're in a relationship with whoever it is that you're playing around with, either, you know, capital R relationship or just someone that you trust and can have these honest conversations, but they can be really hard. And I want to say up front, uh, or not up front, but before we get into this, because we've long passed the upfront stage. If something is a fantasy, it is totally okay for it to remain a fantasy for any number of reasons. If you are not comfortable with actually exploring it, like, man, I've really got some, you know, like daddy, like daddy kink fantasies that I just don't really feel comfortable with at this point in my life. It is okay to not explore them. Don't kink shame yourself, but also don't force yourself to try things that, you know, could potentially result in some kind of, I wouldn't call it mental trauma, but certainly some stress. Additionally, it might be impossible for you to explore certain kinks. For instance, if uh, you wanted to be the center of attention at a Cirque du Soleil themed like <laughs> gangbang that with like a full audience in Vegas. I'm certain it could happen. April runs <laughs> on stage. She's in the middle of it. Take me! Like a flailing Muppet. I could see it. I could see it possibly happening. You would also like end up on YouTube being like, wow, look at this like, you know, streaker get tackled by security. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like so yeah, it is okay to not explore fantasies is what is what I'm saying. Um but if you do want to explore them, talking to your partner first is probably the best way and also start small. Start small, start smart. Be, uh, add a tiny piece in. So if you want to get into full sensory deprivation or whatever, say, "Hey, could we?" And I'm not saying you this is a script, but bringing it up of it kind of might be hot if you, uh, you know, tied a scarf around my eyes. How do you feel about blindfolding? Asking your partner how they feel about it can be a really like easy way of getting in on it. it. Starts a conversation instead of starting with a declaration. When you do find something that you guys agree on, um, you and your partner, you basically get into the negotiation of what's happening, saying, "Hey, I would like to do this thing this time," uh, and your partner would say, "Okay, cool, but I'm not comfortable with this element of it. Uh, how do you feel about that?" Um, like you were saying earlier, that was actually a really good example of, hey, you know, it'd be really hot if I put a collar on you at Folsom Street Fair and led you around. And you said, no, I'm cool. Like that was... <laughs> that simple. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really that simple. And be true to your boundaries. Um, something that uh, people just getting started in kink, and it is a thing that is often seen in the community, is when really young people um, get into the scene. I'm talking like 18-year-olds and whatnot. They were like, I'm legal. Let's do some shit. The out of the woodwork, older people show up and say, 
hey, hello, would you like a, a mentor? It can get you can get a little skeezy really fast, and that has to do with people not knowing um, both like what their boundaries are, how to establish their own boundaries, um, and getting told by somebody else, oh, well, you shouldn't have that boundary. Don't let anybody tell you that. That is insane. Um, no means no, even if the word for no is like the safe word pomplamoose. Um, <laughs> We'll explain safe words later. So th- th- I'm sorry. Does that answer your question? Yeah. No. I think that's. I think that's that's super super helpful for people. Okay, cool. Well, tell tell us a little bit about the the safe word thing. Then pomplamoose. Oh, yeah. uh, well, okay. Mine's aubergine, by the way. Aubergine. Ooh, yeah. how very cultured. No, a safe word, and this is a term you've probably heard, uh, like joked about. If you don't actually know what a safe word is, a safe word is. Um, we'll go back to the soccer analogy. A safe word is the ref's whistle. It stops play. As soon as someone says a safe word or engages with the safe sign, in case they can't, if they're gagged, you can't say it. So maybe it's dropping an object or jazz hands is very common. Spirit fingers as well. The, um, this will act as the ref's whistle and play will stop. People will check in on each other. All the rules go out the window. You're back to being equals. Now, some people would say that a safe word ends the scene completely. Um, some say that it just pauses the scene until you work out whatever is uh, occurring. Figure that out between you and whoever you're playing with before you start. Um, again, you're agreeing on the rules to the game before you start playing. The check-in word is the term that I use. Um, it is uh, modeled after the red light, yellow light, green light, which is kind of the shorthand, at least out here in a lot of the dungeons that I've seen in Los Angeles. Oh, by the way, dungeons. There are public places where you can take classes and do stuff. Just Google that stuff. And again, you can find them on FetLife. Red, yellow, green is green is like, yeah, you can hit me harder. You can go further. It's okay. Yellow is, well, okay, let's slow down. You, I'm, I'm approaching a limit. And red is, nope, sorry, hold on, stop, stop the scene. Um, or pause. Uh, so you can figure that out. So you can have not just end all the things as a safe word, although that is the most important. It is also important to encourage and like be able to uh, say, yeah, you can go harder or, hey, careful, you're approaching the limit. Um, that keeps you within the, round, uh, within the bounds of your scene while you're playing. What about so? What about toys and things? Because I mean, so you're talking about these things with, with boundaries and red, yellow, green things. Mm-hmm. I mean, this applies to whether it's just me using my body with your body. I mean, there's so many different different things. Ooh, but yeah. then we're but, but so let's talk about the actual toys that people are using that all this can apply to. Like, what you know, what are some of the toys that pe- that kinky people have in their toolkit? What sensations do they offer? Loggers and paddles, and you did say before we started recording, Mike, something really important that I I think would be our listeners definitely need to tune into. You get what you pay for. Don't shop on some of the third-party websites. Uh Go to the manufacturer, which I thought was yeah, quality is everything and kinking in life. Come on, we want good stuff. Yeah, you don't want shoes that are just going to wear out, for instance, Um, like or shoes that give you cancer or shoes Uh that were previously worn. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, not a big fan. Yeah, gently used is a term that I'm okay with on sofas, but like, <laughs> uh, got a lot of other stuff. Yeah, let me uh, let, let me dive into that a little bit. First of all, you might have seen again. Fifty Shades is going to be a really as, as terrible as it is uh, for any number of reasons that I won't get into because that's its own episode. That guy had a lot of gear. 
Um, and a lot of people have seen it. So this is a good way of saying, like, check this out. Um, once you've completed some play and you've explored your kink a little bit, like introducing the blindfold or something like that, you're going to want to say, oh, okay, like maybe I don't just want a scarf. Maybe I want like an official blindfold that is like used for sexy times. Because don't underestimate the power of a well-crafted object, like you were saying. And knowing that it is specifically used for just this particular circumstance, that's kind of hot. Because when you see it just like sitting on the side of the bed, you're like, yeah. Yeah, it's not just this thing like I wear on the airplane. You know, it's yeah. like airplane <laughs> thing. And like my yeah, it's is, the- I, I have a mindful, like the mindful I think can be really, really hot for it because it totally mm. gets rid of all the, mm-hmm. the things you can see. But I wear it on the fucking airplane. I sleep with it. Like it's not sexy. <laughs> No. Yeah, there a little separation of church and state. Um, <laughs> not to not to you know ding the people who are into religious play, but yes, you don't have to start expensive though. It is while having a quality item is great. If you are still testing something out, Home Depot has plenty of things that you can use to turn into convertibles. If you want to spank somebody with a paddle, try a paint stirrer first or your open hand. These are all great things. You don't have to have a lot of gear to engage in various p- forms of sensation play. Ice cubes. Great use. Clothes pins, great use. But if you are looking for something that is exciting, then yeah, spend the money on it. We'll get to that in a second. Um, other things that you would find in the toolkit, that is actually totally up to the person that is doing something. So if someone is just into domination and like submission, they might not necessarily have any like impact toys. Um, impact toys being things that you hit people with, but things that you may see. Uh, you might see a flogger. A flogger is a handle um, that has uh, a series of strips of material coming off the top that is used to literally flog somebody. So this is an ancient practice that hasn't changed in a really long time. Similarly, tying people up, various forms of bondage, predicament bondage, if they're in a tricky situation, or just like actual just restraint, restraint bondage, um, has also been around forever. Chaining, right? Caning. Caning has been around forever. Many forms of punishment um, are seen as, you know, things that could be turned sexy. That's why a lot of people don't believe in the idea of hell. There is nothing that humans won't sexualize, no matter how terrible it is. It's really hot in hell, yeah. I know, right? Uh, so let's take off all of our flesh. Yeah. There are various form, uh, like extreme forms of things, but most people don't have that. Their tool ba- uh, bag is going to consist of tools that they're into. So you might see paddles, you might see canes, you might see rope, uh, you might see Wartenberg wheels, which I never say right, but it's those little like spiky wheels that are like, that right. yeah. oh, did I? Hey, congratulations. Well, as far as I know, it sounded right to me. Yeah. All right, it's great. Like I the, the, the spurs uh, yeah. from the cowboy boots or cow human yeah. boots. Yeah, they're actually really fun. You might find, I've also seen other things get turned into various pervertibles. So like a few of my wax friends, for instance, have entire slow cookers that are just devoted to making sure they have a whole lot of wax just ready to pour out at any given time with a full-on ladle. So every toy bag looks different, um, but those are going to be some of the things you might see. Oh, and, you know, leather restraints, rope. And rope is an entire... The riggers out there will know and the rope bunnies will know that that is a deep, deep dive if you want to get in various materials and things like that. And then you wanted to talk about quality. Well, well I was going to say, so, so because you're talking about, you, like, so someone wants to get started. They could go to Home Depot and buy these things for like not a lot of money, figure out what they like. So they're like, ooh, I'm really into X, Y, and Z. And then they want to upgrade to the thing that doesn't chafe their skin or doesn't, you know, doesn't break when they use it or yeah. something like that. They want, they want the, the nicer item. You know, and so how do they find that? And I know that you, this is probably what inspired you to do the customized kink tier. It was that yeah. everyone's different and then you, know, yeah. you, you get what you pay for. There's a lot of crap out there on the market. 
Um, so how, how do people go about that? Straight up, uh, the, the number one question I get as a, as a toy manufacturer um, is, uh, what is the best toy for X? And honestly, it's some Marie Kondo stuff. It is what sparks joy. When you pick it up and you start thinking, oh my God, I am going to do so many things or could do so many things with this. That is the best toy for you. I remember the first time that I did wax with somebody, I immediately started thinking about, oh my God, I could turn people into art. I can think of all the art that I'm going to make out of people. This is going to be so cool. And now your audience knows entirely too much about me. But I feel like <laughs> that's a common kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is, that's the thing. Once you've found a thing that makes you go, oh, this is exciting, there are a few points you want to look at. You want to make sure that it does its job and does it well and does it reliably. You don't want rope that's going to break. You don't want restraints that are easy to get out of, unless that's what you're looking for. You don't want uh, you know, a flogger that isn't going to strike where you intend to strike because you could hit somebody's kidneys, you could hit somebody's spine, you could do a wraparound shot, any number of... Again, we're going down the rabbit hole. It does its job, it does it well. That is a usually a function of the craftsmanship that went into that pro- uh, product, which is point number two. Um, if I was looking at a flogger, I would say, is this well-balanced? Um, do the falls stay together when I throw correctly? Um, are the knots you know, tight and uniform? Is this a, you know, a, a well-made object? And then, in addition to the craftsmanship, materials. And this is, again, getting back to that third-party seller stuff. Can I ask, what is this made out of? Can I ask, or not even can I ask, can I get that information reliably? Uh, what is this made out of? Uh, how is it made? Uh, you know, is this safe to use on skin, in people, like, and more importantly, cleaning. Uh, know how to clean your toys. Oh my God, even if you're only using them with one person, clean your toys. And leather cleans differently than it clean, than uh, uh, latex cleans, than plastic or silicone clean, than wood cleans. Uh, and know how lube, if you need it, interacts with each of those things. Get nerdy about your toys uh, just so that you can stay safe. Safety, safety, safety. So materials, cleaning, last but not least, reputation of the seller, which we talked about earlier. Um, again, if you can go direct to manufacturer or direct through a reputable um, uh, seller, do so. And then lastly, aesthetics. If you've got all that other stuff and it's like a great toy and you can get like, ooh, I can personalize it. Ooh, I would like it in pink, please. Then yeah, do that. Um, these are the things that I would look for if I was buying. It's one of the reasons that we started JoyMill um, is because we wanted to create a uh, place where people could reliably get customizable goods. Oh, so you do make customizable items. Uh, in a mass market way, here's the flogger. You can swap out a lot of different colors, different styles, things like that. So everything is, um, it's like fashion. We are made to measure. We are made to order. Not necessarily like I've got a very specific piece in mind. I really like what you said about loving the the piece. And hmm. and like and, and I think that that speaks to like making it extra exciting and special. You know, if I get something, you know, I get like my $20 rubber flogger. I'm like, hey, it's Ugh. cool. It does some things, you know, and like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. But if I get this beautiful piece that I handpicked, you know, mm-hmm. I picked the color, I picked the material, I picked the manufacturer, the style, design, et cetera, whatever that is. And and I put, you know, all of my my heart into this this thing. <laughs> Every time I pick it up, it's really going to be extra special. So I like that that you're speaking to. That makes it this. It's not just like eh, whatever. Here's my little thing that I whip someone with. It's like, no, this is my my item that I put a lot into, and I love this thing. I I, I want to leave you with the like two pieces then, if that's the case, because they dovetail directly into that. Number one is 
one of the reasons that I love kink and one of the reasons that I started being a like a kink toy manufacturer was th- it is such an authentic expression of yourself. The exploration of kink is being able to relate to other people more intimately and authentically. And that's, I think the world is a better place if we can all do that. And if one of the ways of doing that is you like to pretend to be 10 years old, hey, do you if it's a safe and consenting environment. Again, your kink is not my kink, but like, I think the world's a better place when we can all be ourselves. Final point to that, talking about the sanctity of toys, um, like you were saying, the specialness. So many toys within relationships are ha- take on the significance of wedding band. And particularly, I'll talk about this, collars. Collaring in the BDSM community, um, for the most part, is a meaningful thing. It's, it's a degree of, it's an, it's a, it is a sign of submission voluntarily and is a way of broadcasting to other people that, you know, I am in a particular kind of relationship and is not something that many people take lightly. Touching somebody's collar, asking them to take off the collar, et cetera, is a, is a bit of a taboo thing, or can be, depending on the relationship with the person that's collared. Um, even something as simple as this particular cane or flogger, like, don't use it with other people. This is ours. This is the implement that you use on me. That's special. Um, I've, I, I will spare you all the stories, but I've, I have a number of anecdotes just about that alone. And again, being a toy manufacturer, you end up hearing them. But yeah, it's a special thing uh, and it can raise a lot of emotions. So aftercare for all kink, don't just get a sandwich. Don't just sit there and cuddle, but talk out whatever got raised up because we talked about negotiation. We talked about how to play safely. But afterwards, you're going to want to debrief. And it's possibly going to be a long process if you were exploring some things that are a little more on the mental side. Um, like, I've never tried submitting before. <laughs> I, I really enjoy your passion for what you're doing. And I would feel more comfortable. And I'm sure the listeners out there, like if I wanted to go and purchase some kink items, which perhaps I will after this, yeah. I would love to be able to do that with someone that is so into what they're doing and authentic and really living the experience of like giving the gift of kink to all. But I just want to say that that's such a great point. You talked a lot about fashion and I think fashion isn't, it's a total expression of oneself, right? Yeah. So is kink. So it's funny that you didn't just fall into this, the, the joymail.com darling. I think it was made for you. Uh, but I wanted to uh, let people know how to find you other than joymail.com do you have social media are you on uh yeah uh, joymail.com is going to be the best way to find us um we had uh we were open for a little bit um and we've recently are uh engaging in a redesign of our web experience um so my big recommendation would be go to joymail.com there's going to be a button that says sign up for the mailing list um, and yeah our hope is to be the uh you know the indochino of kink so, Mike, thank you. Just thank you for taking some time and sharing your gift of, of what you're doing with the world. And I guess uh, being so, I don't know, in, into it and passionate about, about kink. Thank you. Fun. Yeah, thanks for making it fun. Too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's sometimes an image issue, but it's mostly just a bunch of people with a very passionate hobby. So Yeah, now maybe we'll bring you back for the expert kink edition of this because this is like our 101. We can do... <laughs> You know, 1,001. So I might, I might bring some friends then if that's the case. Oh, yeah. Bring subject matter experts. Yeah, bring all your furry friends. Um, 
Don't have too many of those, but oh, yeah, I, I know what you I mean. I have some. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shameless Sex every Tuesday. We love all of our listeners. Remember, go to iTunes. Do it right now. Give us five stars. We love to read all your reviews. So also check out our website, shamelesssexpodcast.com. We'll edit that one out. <laughs> shamelesssex.com. It's because we just changed our Instagram like three times. So I'm like, oh, shamelesssex.com. All right, y'all. We'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.